humans were not put on this planet to punch a time clock. We just weren't. Capitalism's fucking new. We were put on this earth to tend to the soil, to build community, to create art, to heal and love and cry and grow. Not to pay mortgages or hope to get to pay a mortgage someday. Hope to get to pay off your student loans someday. We got lost and epically so. Welcome to Intuitive Wellness, a podcast where I, Samara, and my partner, Lali, talk about relating to our bodies, identities, and oppressive systems and share the tools that are working for us and our guests. This show is for witchy, introspective activists who struggle with trying to heal all the shit in their lives and in the world. If you believe that healing yourself is activism, you're in the right place. Yay, Caitlin is here. Oh my god, I am so obsessed with Caitlin. We met while we were teaching or co-teaching for holisticism. Caitlin was teaching about using tarot for spirit guides and I've had people come like be my clients and rave about that class that Caitlin taught. So it was just such an amazing class. And I'm so grateful every time I get to talk to you. So to get us started off, just kick us off with who you are, where you are, and something that is exciting you right now. Oh, okay. My name is Caitlin. I am an espiritista folk witch and cardomancer. And I'm in East Los Angeles. I don't like to get too specific because a witch has to protect their domain. And something I'm really excited about is I'm about to launch my 16th offering of Into the Veil, which is an introduction to Espiritismo and Spiritist mediumship. So that will be happening in June. And I'm, I'm stoked. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm excited for you. Thank you. I guess to start us off, I would like to know why you say that um, living in communion with spirit means living in communion with creation. What do you mean by that? Because all things are of both spirit and creation. Neither can exist without the other, and yet they are one. In Espiritismo, we believe that within every individual, there is a spirit. We believe that spirits without corporal bodies are amongst us constantly. Animals have spirits, plants have spirits, even animism. So the things, you know, a, a tarot deck, each card has its own spirit. Your favorite mug has an energy and a spirit. And to exist, whether you recognize it intentionally or not, to exist is to live in communion with both spirit and with creation because like the flesh that's creation and the spirit is within you and all around you so it's i say it because for me from what i've come to understand through intentionally living in communion with spirit is that that's the truth like there's no way around it it's just how things are divinely ordered, I suppose. <laughs> I know our audience can't see you, but just to like let them know that it's like magical watching you because there's so many like hand movements, and I truly cannot <laughs> tell if you're like 
talking from your mind or if you're channeling and who, who else is in the room, what beings are there with you sharing this message? It's so magical to hear it. <laughs> Thank you. They're definitely all here. <laughs> I'll have to go to the workshop with you to get the, the true audio visual experience that is capable. Oh. <laughs> it's definitely like a visual experience. Again, Mercury rules me. Like, <laughs> I love it. And for folks who are not clear, how would you define Espiritismo? Espiritismo is a Creole practice. Um, It exists in many parts of the Caribbean and South America. Um, I'm descended from Cuban spiritists. And in Cuba, it's called Espiritismo Cruzado, which is literally crossed spiritism. Spiritism, the concept and the term originated in Europe in the 1800s um, by a Frenchman named Alan Kardec. And as it gained popularity in Europe, it came to the Caribbean. And in the Caribbean, things were ruled by colonists, Catholic colonists specifically, who were a little less... (laughs) The conversion part at that point by mid-1800s was not a part of their violent oppression. They kind of eased up on the Catholic bit because the Catholic Church had taken sides with the Spanish during the revolution. but. Anyway, the history. Spiritism was a history lesson, really. When it came to the Caribbean spiritism, it began with the colonists, European colonists, and trickled down and began to mix with the indigenous religions that were still being held onto, the Taino, the Arawak, and with African spiritualities that were still being held onto by the enslaved. And from it was born this spiritual practice that blended spiritism, which is really just like Europe, post-Christianity, finding new ways to define like pre-Christian ideas, which is ridiculous. Like you could have just, anyway. And then Catholicism plus these African spirituality and indigenous Caribbean spirituality. And it was a way to hold on to indigenous and African spirituality under the guise of Catholic worship um, when protection felt necessary. And I think the reason why Espiritismo is beautiful is that so many of us have lost connection to either our indigeneity or paganism. And we might not always feel comfortable like approaching our cultures once we've been so far removed from them. And Espiritismo kind of opens the door to allow you to rediscover like who you are, who your ancestors were, no matter how distant you feel from them. Um, Espiritismo helps you discover your origin story and it helps you to discover your divinity in alignment with your purpose in this particular incarnation. Espiritismo is, why am I crying? It's, <laughs> it's too much to even explain in just a few sentences, but it's beautiful and 
special. And I think what's so special about it is that it doesn't matter how unworthy of grace you think you are. When you set out that cup and that candle and you start talking to your spirits at the altar, it might take time, but you will see that like you are divine and that despite the traps and obstacles created by capitalism, by white supremacy, by patriarchy, like spirit will help you find the back doors and the side roads and the back streets to getting to where you need to be. It's not going to be simple because the world has been developed in such a way to keep us down, but that doesn't mean it's impossible. And the more of us who tune into that possibility that like we can exist beyond working to survive like that shifts, it's like a wave, you know, it starts small and then grows and grows and grows until suddenly like we're all moving in this same rhythm, this same ebb and flow. And I think the ultimate goal is with Espiritismo, not to feel limited by it, but rather to see how many other doors it opens for you. Yeah. Does that... (laughs) Oh my Just God. a few things. Lolly, <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you want to say anything? I have stuff I could say too. But... I, I don't have words. I'm just like, I feel that like so deeply. I think a lot of us do. And um, your spirits like hold space for all of it. Like all of the evolution of your emotions, like the overwhelm, the mistrust at first. I feel like that comes up a lot. Like, what do you mean? You love me unconditionally. What do you mean? You're going to help me? (laughs) Why? Like, what's the motive here? And it takes us a little bit of time to get comfortable with the idea of these spirits surrounding us who are just invested in our highest good as it relates to the highest good of all humanity. It's definitely an adjustment (laughs) based on a lot of like the human interactions that we have in this lifetime. But it's worth investing in your curiosity around it if you find that you have a curiosity around it virtual hug virtual hug virtual <laughs> i feel like as you were talking i first of all my ears always ring every time i'm talking to you like the whole time <laughs> and i have just learned to normalize and mentally prepare that that's what's going to be happening um But as we were talking, I resonated so deeply with the part about espiritismo being kind of a doorway into discovering yourself, especially, Mm -hmm. like for me, I kind of fell into this feeling very cut off from my ancestors, feeling like I had no narrative for who they were that was divorced from Christianity just because Mm -hmm. of the way that I grew up. And... I had specifically like moved to Brazil to learn about myself and my heritage. And in that learning was where I found Candomblé unexpectedly. Like I was not looking for anything related to spirituality at all. And just having that intention to learn more about myself, to connect with my ancestors, to go to a place that I know my ancestors had been before. 
um, and to commune with the land in that way, it just was unavoidable. Like it was everywhere. And that blossomed into so many things for my life. But it was just through that like intention to connect on a deeper level beyond what I had been told was acceptable or what I had been told Mm. was true, you know? I think some of my favorite feedback that I receive is from folks who grew up in Catholicism or another form of Christianity who take into the veil or who begin working with me and they're like, oh, like one of the blessings, there are so many, but one of the blessings of Espiritismo for me and for a lot of different people is that we are able to see not only our ancestry pre-Christianity, but we're also able to recognize our ancestors recent and further back who were Christian, usually not by choice, but eventually it just becomes a part of the culture, right? We're all indoctrinated into it through conversion, through colonialism. But like, it was an only tool a lot of our ancestors were allowed to use to connect with divinity. And I think that you find that there are a lot of different family and regional and cultural traditions that are kind of like Espiritismo that show you the way to connect with the other through the cross, through the saints, through prayers, through the Bible verses. And you might be using the text that the man provided to you, but you're using it in such a way that is a little blasphemous, which is fun. You're using it in a way that connects you to your ancestors who also read these same passages. And you're also using it to connect with those who came before, because maybe we don't know what prayers they used. Maybe we don't know what language they spoke. Maybe we are struggling to figure out, you know, maybe you have a general idea of which region your family or a certain part of your family might be from, but you don't know what tribe, like you don't know what family, family. And you can still use these prayers in a language that you can read or that you can remember and recite recite, and connect with every level of those who came before you. And you can do that with like any text too. And Espiritismo, you kind of like, the more you get into it, the more your spirits are like, hey, have you looked at this? Have you heard of this? Remember that time you read this? Have you thought about looking at that again? And suddenly all of these words, which may have meant one thing in the past, become doors as well. These texts that may have caused us to like question ourselves, or at least the people who are sharing it with us, right, may have caused us to question ourselves or not like ourselves, not like parts of ourselves, can suddenly be used in a way that is supportive of exactly who you are, exactly who you were born to be. And um, it took me a while to get comfortable with using Catholic prayers again, but unpacking them and like finding the seeds of the spirit in these words that were channeled by folks who may not see life the same way I do, might've been missing it as these greater spirits were giving them information, right? We channel through our own range of, of knowledge. We channel through our own internalized biases. And so if the person who's channeling 
has internalized white supremacy. The way the information comes out, no matter how well intended the spirit, is going to come out with a tinge, if not more, of white supremacist like ideology attached to it. And so you can find these texts and pick apart and see like, oh, this is what they really meant. This is what they really meant. And it's kind of healing to understand these things in a different way. And it's also special, like a lot of our, in this generation, most of our grandparents are within some sort of organized religion. And to get to use the same prayers that maybe your grandparents or your great grandparents used, even if you don't subscribe to that religion, like the power of their voice, the magic, it's still in there. It's like embedded in the language. And then you use it out loud for your own intentions. Not only has your energy in it, it has all of theirs too, but it's being directed in a way that feels right for you. And I just, I have a lot of fun exploring that part of the practice, like relearning things, re-understanding sacred texts and beyond the Bible too, like whatever I can get my hands on that's in alignment with my ancestry. Lately, I've been going through the Orphic hymns. Yeah, it's (laughs) so many doors. Yeah, I just keep hearing, like they just keep showing me the doors opening again all the time. We have to give other metaphors too. (laughs) That's the one they like today. (laughs) I got lost on a tangent a little bit. I love it. I just keep thinking. Have you heard of Aaron Johnson before? No, I don't know. I don't think so. So Aaron Johnson was on our podcast recently and we were doing an episode about religious trauma. Mm -hmm. And I just keep thinking about how this conversation that we're having about religion is such a beautiful compliment and provides such like a whole, like a holistic perspective to the concept of being like forced into a religion and all the intergenerational implications of it and how to form a healthy relationship with this aspect of, of our world. So at people listening, listen to Aaron Johnson's and this one together, because I I really want to go do that after this is over. Oh my God. So many things. I feel like we're going off script, which is fun. It's always (laughs) when we go off script. Okay. I always like to give Lali chances to talk because I talk so much more than he does, but um, do you have anything to say? I have a question. Yeah. (laughs) I am curious if you feel comfortable sharing more about like your background with religion. Like if you, as a kid, were socialized with a certain religion and how you came over on this path to Espiritismo. So I was really fortunate. Um, My dad was born in Cuba. They came in the late 60s and they came with their Espiritista and her entire family as well. Uh, (laughs) We all came together. Actually, it's funny. I was talking to my grandfather, who is one of my mentors, about it yesterday and how they had to petition the Queen of the Depths to get permission to leave the island because my my grandfather didn't want to leave. He had no intention of leaving, but that's a different story. So I was born into both. My dad was a Cuban immigrant and my mom's uh, half, well, I mean, we're a super mix. She's Mexican, German, Jewish, and Italian. um, So extremely Catholic. And when I was born, like we were still doing all of it at the same time. Like some of my earliest memories are being in this big backyard in my dad said it was Monterey and there was a converted garage 
and inside the garage was a chapel. And inside of the chapel was this huge statue of La Virgen Mireila, which she's not the patroness of Cuba, but she's one of the well-known spirits there. And she's one of the Black Madonnas. And I've been going to Catholic school since I was five. I started Catholic school when I was five. But I remember going to my dad and saying like, why is Mary here white? Like what's, and my dad was like, we can't talk about that. And I was like, what? And he was like, we can't talk about that here. And it was really confusing being small and having this whole other life that we weren't allowed to speak about at school or at church. We went to church every Sunday because my parents got a discount on tuition if we showed up every week. (laughs) Um, So around the, I don't know if it was junior high or high school, my parents are very involved in the church. My dad, I don't even know how he did everything that he did, but it was discovered that the Granias have alternative spiritual practices. And it was an espiritista hunt. Like they called us devil worshipers. They accused us of of practicing Santeria, like it was a bad thing. And it's so funny because people think there's so much stigma about that Santeria. And it's like, no, that's just a different, like, that's just a different religion. Like we don't even practice that, first of all. There are all Santeros are Espiritistas, but not all Espiritistas are Santeros because that takes initiation. And like, neither one is a bad thing, but it like, we didn't go back to church for a while. Um, we lost a lot of friends and we stopped going to Delia's. We stopped going to the converted chapel in that garage in Monterey and took some distance from it. But I mean, at the same time, you know, we stopped going, but they would still come to our house. We would still have the Espiritis that come to our house. And her name was Delia and she was an incredible channel. And her daughter is actually my mentor, but she would come to the house like and roll coconuts through our house. And we would make sure that the altar above our refrigerator was perfect. And have we hung up the machete with the red ribbon? We have to put it away because there's company coming over and we don't want them to see it. Like it was still in the background as my mom, on the other hand, was like, if you want to get your driver's license, you have to get confirmed in the Catholic church, which was not my favorite thing, but we did it. And then after high school, I immediately started doing drugs and drinking alcohol. I was not well for most of high school. I was extremely depressed. I was self-harming. And my mom just did her best, but didn't know what to do with me. Just was not equipped. And I lost touch with spirituality entirely, but was still very connected to magic. And I read tarot cards. I practiced witchcraft, which was probably, no, it wasn't probably, it was certainly irresponsible um, the way I was practicing then. And then I, I don't know, gosh, it it feels like a blur because it, it is all of a sudden I was getting married and then all of a sudden I was pregnant. And then I looked at my dad and was like, can we go back? And my dad, um, before he passed away, developed a, a neurodegenerative disease and he lost his motor skills and eventually lost his speech. But one of the last few things he was able to do for me was reconnect me with my mentor. And from there, I was like, oh, fuck, like this, I've been doing a lot of this the whole time. And then once he reconnected me with my mentor from there, like it just, it didn't stop and it has not stopped a day since then. 
And I'm so grateful. <laughs> I'm so grateful. It started with a little glass of water on my own home altar and has expanded into a beautiful life that keeps getting more and more full. And I'm grateful. That was a long story. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. Mm-hmm. I also feel like it's always a long story. And I want to affirm that like, we are not here to like police or manage the way that you choose to share. Like, please just be your full, beautiful Thank self. You. <laughs> I feel like that's one of those weird Catholic school things that I carry too. Like the fear of speaking too much or too loudly or too long or too honestly. Like that was just always in trouble, always in trouble grateful that my dad was like it's what were you in trouble for it's fine (laughs) (laughs) beautiful i'm wondering so this is like not planned but i'm wondering if it would be helpful for one of the things i absolutely love about this human this human that i'm dating right here (laughs) is that you were not raised in an organized religion And your grandparents also were not practicing or your one side of your grandparents were not practicing in organized religion. And the way that we connected so much is because Lali's grandma who passed away very soon after Lali was born has been one of my spirit guides for like (laughs) ever. And recently like, you know, has pulled back a little bit, but still pops up every now and then. And like, we've had so many conversations tracing back, like all the little things that were so unpredictable that led us together. And it's just like weird to think about. And I I think it's really beautiful that your relationship with spirit is so different and that you weren't like, just because your, your grandma was a bruja and, is very like very involved in the afterlife before she was in the afterlife (laughs) and i think caitlin you actually channeled her once for me which is funny too um (laughs) but just because of that that doesn't mean that your relationship with spirit has always been like smooth and rosy and i think i spent a lot Mm -hmm. realizing what it would have been like to have not been indoctrinated into Christianity for my whole life and had to like actively undo that. But it's really beautiful to see how your journey hasn't also been like, Oh, and everything was great. And I always felt accepted and it was so easy for me. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I don't know. I just, I feel the need to share that with as many people as I can. Cause I think we people who were indoctrinated into religion can get really hard on ourselves and can regret a lot, you know? Yeah, absolutely. There's so many things. I'm going to say this a lot. That's the other thing I love about it. If you grew up with the absence of any sort of spiritual practice with no frame of reference to begin your own, it can feel a lot like free falling. Am I doing this right? Am I? Is there a right way to do it? Is there a wrong way to do it? Should I use this candle? Should I not? Like the smallest things can seem really overwhelming. And Espiritismo isn't an organized religion. It's guidelines for living. And the practice itself is unique to every single individual practitioner. 
Um, there might be some general things that connect us all. There are some things that are accepted across the board, a glass of water, a white candle. But when it comes down to it, like it's just about you. It's about what you believe. And if you don't know what you believe, it's about figuring that out and working through it and watching that grow and evolve and expand and feeling yourself shift as you are discovering these things and realizing that like you've always been divine even if you felt disconnected for whatever reason altar is you god is inside of you you are the church you are the congregation that's I could go on and on about how much I love this practice because I think there is beauty in organized religion and things that are closed and you must be called to and initiated in. Um, but that's not everyone's calling. And it might be down the line after you start practicing Espiritismo, you might find that there's another level up you need to go. But really, it's just about the self and the spirit within and how this spirit within perceives the world around them and perceives themselves and where the spirit feels called to go. And like the only rules are being dedicated. Like that's it. Being dedicated to yourself. I wouldn't even call it a rule again, like guidelines. It's all about guidelines. <laughs> Fluidity. I feel like it feels so much more authentic when it's not like having a template to follow. And I guess from my background, like even though I wasn't raised in a certain religion, like culturally, I guess being raised Mexican, it still felt like Catholicism was like underlining everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I just think listening to you, I'm like, this is why I care. This is why this matters. I'm like connecting with what you're saying. And it's like reminding me to go back into myself, I guess. Mm. Like, I don't feel like you're like a, a preacher or like a, I don't know, like you're putting yourself on a pedestal. I don't think... I'm putting you in that position. I just feel like when I listen to you, like I just open up because I'm like, I want to accept this. I already feel this to be true. And now that I'm hearing the words out loud, like externally, I'm like, this is what I've been trying to feel internally, but I didn't have the words for. So thank you. Mm, you're welcome. That's beautiful. And I receive, thank you. Something I've been learning a lot about lately is... I mean, so many things because I'm ruled by Mercury. So <laughs> always something, <laughs> but I'm like, I am not an astrologer. I 1000% believe in astrology, all astrology, like give it to me. I love it. But like, it's not my thing. <laughs> like I'm not a reader of that craft. Um, but lately I've been looking into my mid heaven, which I guess is connected to your like purpose and uh, mine is in Aries and like Aries starts things and like I think that my gift is helping you start it like you have the seeds and I can show you that they're in your hand even if you didn't think they were there like you have the soil and it's fertile um sometimes you need just need somebody to help push your head in the right direction so you can see it my goal as a practitioner is for my clients to not need me. Like I want my clients to graduate from me. I want you to 
see that you are capable of doing this on your own, that you are capable of receiving messages from spirit, interpreting the messages of spirit, regardless of whether or not you consider yourself psychic or a medium, Um, because spirit communicates with you no matter what, Um, through nature, through your environment, through everything that's around you, your computer, your playlists, the time, the street signs, everything. I feel like my dad used to watch Fool's Russian a lot when we were younger because he thought it was hilarious. And I think a lot about like, there are signs everywhere. And it's so true. (laughs) There really are. And like, I'm understanding that like, my purpose is to just like shine a light on the seed. Because like, once you know it's there, then like, you'll figure it out. It's going to take some time. It takes time to develop relationships. And ultimately, that's what you're doing. You're building a relationship with yourself, with your guides, with your ancestors, with your deities, if you choose to work with deities. Um, Really, they choose you. And that takes time. And I think that's kind of like the hardest thing for people to like, accept because we live in a two-day delivery world um that like everything that we talk about is going to take time for you to like unpack and learn on your own like your practice isn't going to come to you overnight it's going to come through i feel like i should do this i'm going to try it okay that felt good i'm going to try it again um maybe i'm going to add a little bit of this Ooh, that was a mistake let's go back to the last time we were doing it and keep doing it that way and also understanding that like the discipline you develop with your spirit, as supportive as it is, is also very fluid. What works for you January through March might not work for you come April, May, June. Might not work for you come the season of the spirits when the ancestors are walking the earth much closer to us. So I don't remember where we started. Oh, yeah. I don't want you to need me. Like, I want you to come to me and say like, oh, I can do this. I'm capable. Okay, let's try it. And actually, I recently changed my policies. Like, I don't really want my clients to come to me more than once a year, once every six months, maybe, because then I become a crutch. Mm -hmm. And then you're not developing on your own. And like, the whole point is for you to get it Mm -hmm. so that like you. Trust yourself. You need to trust yourself. We put so much trust in likes and how fast someone replies to a text or an email and like tuning into the altar and ignoring everything else. If only for 10 minutes a day, 10 minutes a week helps you strengthen the compass and your ability to trust that internal compass. Okay. I have so many directions I want to go in. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take a deep breath. So the thing that is the biggest question for people, and I think you and I have had this conversation amongst ourselves, but I feel like it would be really helpful for other people too. In the event that as you're on this path, and the first thing that I want to say, just like to give people context, as Caitlin is talking about the fact that it takes a lot of time and it does, it does. And the thing to remember is that you've been doing it your whole life. And so it's not like the time starts when you decide it starts. Like the time started several lifetimes ago, you know, like this is an ongoing thing. And so an experience that I had when like 
especially in Brazil, when I was like having this whole onflux was like, okay, it seems like things are changing very, very quickly. And I'm incredibly overwhelmed. And it doesn't feel like this took any time at all. And then it took me a while to realize like, okay, no, like, I can see very clear things that have happened in the past that have like connected me before, but I feel like I just actively made the connection now. So it is very overwhelming to be having all of this happen all at once, very Mm. dramatically. And I really felt like my sense of self was changing dramatically, like every couple of months. And I still feel that way. Sometimes it's like Mm -hmm. more navigable now because I can tell more that it's, it's like a cycle rather than like a hard turn all the time. Um, but for anyone who might be listening, who is feeling like almost like this deep sense of overwhelm and like they, they've lost control of what's happening and they're not okay with the fact that they've lost control because they, they at one point had it. What would you say to them? Because I think it is really, really empowering to feel like, okay, Caitlin shows me that I have the seeds and then I go forth and I plant the seeds and then everything grows and it's beautiful. But for me, I found that like there was a period of time where I needed like consistent check-ins with someone to know that like everything wasn't going to shit, you know? Mm. In Espiritismo, we call it a, a disarrollo. It's um, an awakening. Mm-hmm. And it's that feeling of things are opening up and expanding within me really fucking quickly. Can I say that word here? Yeah. Yeah. Really quickly, (laughs) really quickly. And like, it can feel, it can range from discomfort to like questioning your mental state. Right. And there are a few different ways to approach it because every practitioner is different and every awakening is different. The first is setting boundaries with spirit. If there are things that make you feel uncomfortable, like tell them out loud, write it down and put it on your altar. Whatever your preferred method of communication is, like do it and make sure that you tell them like, these are the things that make me uncomfortable. I know folks who are not interested. And it was me for a long time. Like I didn't want to see spirits and they kept trying to show themselves to me. And finally I was like, listen, I will listen to you. I will channel you, but I, I just am not ready to see you. And it stopped. And it stopped for a few seasons until it started again. And they said, are you ready yet? And at that point, like I had developed my disciplines well enough that even though I was still extremely nervous, I was ready to say yes. Um, But by saying out loud, like, Hey, can we pump the brakes on that part a little bit? Spirit honored my request and my boundary. And the truth is like when you're working with your spirits of your court, the spirits who are aligned with you and your highest good, like they'll respect your autonomy Um, That's why you have to say your prayers out loud and with conviction because they're like, are you sure before we go do the thing? So boundaries is important. The other thing is caring for the vessel. I find to be very helpful. Spiritual awakenings are uncomfortable. What routines can support this part? Because this part of you, your, your flesh is what's really causing the discomfort and expanding spirit inside of the confines of a human body. Like that's not fun. And my recommendations are usually like 
take some extra time in the shower when you're washing your hair. Say kind things to yourself when you are brushing out your tangled. Speak sweet words to yourself or soothing words to yourself when you are applying your usual moisturizer. Take extra time to do the things we usually skip because we don't think we have time to take care of ourselves, like putting lotion on, um, making yourself a cup of comforting tea, taking a nap when you are able to and need to, instead of forcing yourself to open up the laptop and keep responding like after six o'clock. When you slow yourself down a little bit and lean into these routines that may not seem spiritual, you notice that the overwhelm starts to become a little bit more manageable. And then like from there, you expand from caring for the vessel to caring for the spirit, caring for your energy. That's I'm brushing my teeth and calling in protection for the day as I look at myself in the eyes, in the mirror. I'm pouring myself my usual cup of coffee and I'm setting out a cup for my spirits and saying like, please accept this humble offering and help me have a great day. (laughs) Um, It grows. And when you make little bits of time for spirit, first the spirit within you, caring for the spirit within you, you find that it like stretches. It's like this, I don't know, like a Jersey pocket is what they're telling me. And like the more you put in it, the more it stretches out from the weight. And then you're able to stuff more stuff in there too. Um, You layer and layer and layer. Something that you said that was really, I think, special was that, you know, you're rediscovering yourself every few months and the recognition of it being cyclical, I think, is really important because, you know, we are just as much a part of this earth as the plants and the trees and the soil and we change with the seasons just like every other living thing on this earth changes with the seasons. And I think it's easy to get caught up in like, is there something wrong with me? It's like, no, capitalism makes you think that you have to perform the same way 40 to 150 hours a week, every single week until you die. And there's not a lot of room. There's not a lot of room for fluctuation in that. And, um, by leaning into spirit, by leaning into your spiritual practice, doesn't have to be a spiritually small, it can be whatever is aligned with you. You start to see the little ways that like you can honor the changes within you, within the structures that you have to be a part of. You have to pay rent, after my bills. But spirit shows you like the little ways that you can lean into the seasons and into your personal cycles. And it enriches every part of your life. It enriches your practical decisions. It enriches your magical practices, if that's something you're interested in. I think there's something really beautiful about recognizing that we change so often and that it's pretty natural, like literally natural, (laughs) just like the leaves turn yellow in the fall. You know, we can't perform at full fruit and bloom capacity all year long. We weren't built that way. So yeah, I don't know if that answers. I I think I went off in directions too. (laughs) 
Well, I feel like we've been led back to the original script because you've started to talk about anti-capitalism. And and so it's funny that we have now made our way home. Um, (laughs) Yes, as far as cycles go. Okay, so as far as the anti-capitalism that you've started to touch on already, that is something that for, I mean, I resonate with that on a personal level. I resonate with it so much more now that I am like in a role of helping people find their way throughout entrepreneurship and what all of that means. And to do that in a lens where you're co-creating a relationship with money as a spirit, which is mm-hmm. something that like I kind of fell into and was guided to do but I still definitely struggle a lot with like how do you apply this to another person like I see how I apply this to myself Um, and so all of this is to say how do you see this concept of like spirituality very directly impacting the ways in which we exist in the capitalist structure well Okay, I'm going to channel for a second because that's what's happening. Okay. Um, there are two sides to this coin. There are those who use, there are those who use spirituality in a way that is exactly in alignment with the, capitalist agenda, with the capitalist agenda. There are those who use spirituality as a method of, a method of manipulation, resource extraction, and resource extraction. There are spirits amongst us, amongst us who, exist, who exist on the spectrum, who exist on the various parts of the spectrum of aligned with the greater good and trapped in our own suffering. And these spirits who lean to the side of to the side of trapped by choice. By refusal to accept, to accept the hands of the divine, these are not your souls who have been harmed and are stuck in trauma. No, no, these are spirits who actively choose to remain in their suffering, and they influence many. With increasing popularity in this moment of time, of time to, continue pushing, to continue pushing, I heard like the destruction of this planet. Mm-hmm. That completely checks. <laughs> mm-hmm. But when you sit at the altar, you call in protection. You ask for those great spirits aligned with your highest good with the highest good of creation to sit with you it becomes difficult to deny the damage is done no matter how we may help no matter how ignorant we may have been prior to sitting at their table if you are truly connecting to the spirits of the well, the wise, you see 
that the only way is community is shared resource is absence of money is abundance that we were given by creation on this planet. The deeper you get, more time you spend at the altar, the more you realize uh, do you want to say you cannot? You want to rephrase that? Yes. Yes. The more we realize that when we ask for blessings for ourselves, we must also ask for the blessings of others. Like this is an altruistic practice and your spirits won't let you deny it. If you are really working with the spirits who are of your highest good, like they will push you to snap out of it and see reality for what it is in this particular timeline and recognize your role within it, your ancestors' roles within it. When you open the door, when you set the table, when you invite in your spiritual court, you know, they're happy to reward you, yes, but they hold you accountable. It's not just free gifts. And uh, manifestation and law of attraction is not. Everything that I ask for from divine, I ask that it flows over abundantly onto my community, onto those I care about. Um, A lot of my practice is about elevating spirits for others, is about... How do you want me to say that? Um, I keep hearing like over and over again, they just keep saying like, you can't truly call yourself spiritual and be comfortable with white supremacy supremacy, and all of its many Mm -hmm. offshoots. And anyone who claims that these two things can be together are people to be cautious, cautious of. Because, like, I, in my practice, have yet to meet a spiritual court that, like, won't hold their own accountable. They'll hold you through it. (laughs) But they make you see yourself and the world in clarity. And that's, you know, the wonderful and the not so good. And it's just like, they said, just the way it is. It's just the way it is. Humans were not put on this planet to punch a time clock. We just weren't. Capitalism's fucking new. We were put on this earth to tend to the soil, to build community, to create art, to heal and love and cry and grow not to pay mortgages or hope to get to pay a mortgage someday, hope to get to pay off your student loans someday. We got lost and epically so thanks to imperialism. I mean, and before that patriarchy, what do you want me to say? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something that really brought me close to my grandfather was that as I was 
getting deeper into this practice as an adult, I came to him one day and was kind of like nervous to talk to him about how, (sighs) where do I even start with this? I remember talking to my grandfather about how one of my other family members had disowned me because of my involvement with protesting last year. And my grandpa looked at me and was like, communism is our way back out. He's like, it's not the end goal. It's a path back to the way things were. And like, I don't know what the only, you know, what the best way to get there is. I don't. But I know that the more I lean into this practice, the more I desire to give and the more that I see that I am capable of giving and the more I am able to see my unique role in giving to others and how it's not the same for each practitioner. It's not supposed to be. We're all different. We all have different gifts to share with the world. And by leaning into our our gifts rather than these earthly identities that usually get carved out for us by conditioning, by our jobs, by our parents, little by little, we find our way back to, I don't know, our personal liberation. And then we start to see like how we are meant to be involved with the collective because not everyone does everything. (laughs) But when you do your thing, when you find what your thing is and lean into it, like you change yourself, you change your family. And like there's this ripple effect that continues to expand the more dedicated you are. And um, that's the point of spirituality is to help us see that like this world that was created by blood and brute force that's not it. It's not it. And it is possible to exist differently from this. I think that's the most important thing, like the element of hope and faith that it is possible to transition out of this mess. And it is possible to see this planet in, maybe not in my lifetime, maybe in our kids' lifetimes, make its way back to what it was supposed to be. People hanging out, making art, creating it, sharing it, telling stories, raising kids, eating food that was pulled from the earth by their own hands. I think that's my like hope and dream, I guess. I've been reflecting a lot on about how early Christians weren't like they like didn't have like a giant boner for the crucifixion that's not what it was about it wasn't about the suffering and death right but that's what the church wants us to think like you have to suffer and die like jesus it's about paradise it was about a garden it's about green it was about community within that garden and tending to it and Every day that I devote myself to my spirits, to my altar, like I feel more certain that it is possible, that heaven on earth is possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just like, yes. 
So the first reaction, I am 100% certain that you didn't see, but I was like talking to Lali a little bit on the side because I have been like literally maybe this week, was it this week? Like maybe with definitely within the past three weeks, I have had this huge like purging almost and divorcing from things that I picked up along the way that were not for me. And one of the really, really big ones is law of attraction. Mm -hmm. And it's really clear because this is basically like a year full circle from when I was first introduced to the concept of law of attraction. And now I'm like, okay, we did this for a year. This was tragic. Like this was so traumatic and terrible for me. And one of the things that's really validating is that I was also getting messages in these past three weeks that there is like this huge distortion of what spirituality is and almost like a, um, I'm hearing the word like bastardization, which is not a word that like I would come up with on my own. So we're just going to roll with it. But like this huge like bastardization of what it means to commune with spirit. Mm -hmm. And I had this, like, I woke up and I remember waking up one day and just being like, why would people profit off of treating the universe like an ATM? Like, what is the purpose of this? Mm -hmm. And why is this being perpetuated? And I've just been in this, like, huge funk ever since I, like, put all of this together because I was just like, and it's so, I've always had qualms about the concept of manifestation. Mm -hmm. And I definitely shoved those qualms down because of my feeling that in order to survive, I needed to embrace this because I saw no other way. And as I have like taken this year of like trying this on, shoving down and repressing all of the trauma that I was going through because I had told myself this was a necessity and then having this like very explicit realization that like it doesn't have to be this way hearing you say all of what you said and channel what you channel I literally felt like my ear was being twisted from the inside out like it was like an immense pain (laughs) that I was in as you were talking but like so beautiful and necessary because this has been the realization that I've been like I literally have felt like there is like the I'm being shown kind of like this huge cavity, like almost like a um, like there's water underneath and there's two cliffs and I'm like suspended between the cliffs and I have been like existentially terrified for these past couple of weeks because I'm just like, I don't know, but we're going to see what happens now. But I feel like something definitely changed because my ear is no longer ringing or like, you know, hurting at all. And I feel like some, some, yeah, some things some things have moved around. So thank you for that. And I hope that whoever's listening to this also got something like half as profound from all that you said. I'm sorry about your ear, but I'm happy it released. And that's really interesting. The ear sensitivity is very common amongst psychically and spiritually sensitive people. Like when you are in tune to the other sides, like that's pretty normal the like pulling and the tickling and the ringing and the all the time (laughs) you probably feel it all the time yeah they're ringing all the time and you know what's really funny I'm realizing like 
as I was kind of, let's just, uh, the word I'm hearing is like, as I was indoctrinating myself into mm-hmm. law of attraction and forcing myself to want it to work, my ear was always ringing whenever I was like consuming anything related to law of attraction, my ear would be ringing. And I was just like, I knew that my ear was ringing when spirits were trying to get my attention. But I've also been on this whole journey, like to talk about like the cycle. I've been on this whole journey of learning to actually like discern like spirits that are of help to me versus spirits that are like Mm -hmm. trying to pull me over for their purposes. And as I've had that level of discernment, I feel like it's become easier for me to just like reject things. But I don't know where I was going with this. I just, oh, now it's hurting again. This is so ridiculous. <laughs> now it's hurting again. Oh, I remember. Okay. I was going to say, I've never had it like hurt before. Like I've had ringing. Usually now I'm re- realizing like usually the ringing happens in context of talking about law of attraction stuff. And I've never had it hurt, but now it is back to being like deeply, deeply painful. Mm. I just felt the need to share that with everyone. (laughs) Take like a big deep breath. Please. I didn't mean to order you around. (laughs) Was amused, but. Fair enough, fair enough. (laughs) I think you might have to pull some of the strings out of what is still remaining, like in here, from what you were absorbing when you were trying to like take that in. It feels like you still have a few. They're hanging out up here. And I don't even know that they're all the way through your like scalp into your skull. They more feel like they're hanging out in your ooh, orc field. That's not normally like my thing, but that's interesting. They said it's hanging out more that's near your I hear a lot. It's like orc field. So that makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like you're blue right now. Oh, like a dorky girl scout reference, but you're like cadet blue. All over here. I don't know anything about like what colors in ours mean, but I can see it all of a sudden, which is interesting. Okay, that makes sense because I'm doing a spell right now. I have like something charging on my altar about me like attuning to my sense of truth and like my sense of like internal, like basically it's the way that I heard it is like creating like an internal pendulum for myself and this came after mm-hmm. I have a pendulum that's that has like lapis lazuli on it and I became very over-reliant on said pendulum mm-hmm. and my spirits were like we have to deal with this you need to just like <laughs> have like they showed like putting the pendulum into my auric field and just being like you need to have this be a thing that like hangs out with you not like something mm-hmm. external to you and so the blue just feels like it is like okay, the thing I'm charging is actually being charged. Like, we're we're doing it. (laughs) You are the lapis now. Yes. (laughs) This is Steven Universe. You are lapis. (laughs) (laughs) I received that. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, my God. I feel really light. I feel like something has left me, which is really nice to feel. Um... Mm. I, I really feel like I have to consistently ask you to talk because I don't want to be the only one. I feel like our listeners are going to think that I like step on you in a way that feels unhealthy. Um, I think as you were talking, I was reflecting a lot on my relationship with my mom and her spirituality, which was very much tied to white supremacy and me feeling like that 
was the only option and the only other option was like there is no god and that's where I lived for a lot of my youth um and I think it wasn't until like talking with Samara more about their idea of spirituality and like reconnecting with my grandma and even through my session with you that it was like finding a healthier spirituality that made more sense with my worldview that I could finally like put my faith in it and trust it to take care of me and to not hurt other people um so yeah that just felt really validating um and I think it's also interesting because your mom is so law of attraction yeah like your mom mom is in it that that side of spirituality that I never want to be a part of (laughs) (laughs) yeah Law of Attraction is something else. I totally listened to The Secret on audiobook a few years ago and was like, I don't know about this. <laughs> I used to drive, um, I was in apparel for a decade. Um, and I used to drive from East LA to downtown every day. And my route was going through Skid Row. And I'm like listening to this woman tell me that like, if you imagine and insist that your life will be different it will suddenly be different and I'm just like Los Angeles (laughs) like no like maybe if I imagine that the systems that are creating like homelessness could be different I could pull that in I don't know but that's certainly not the type of thing that she's talking about and I don't think that's something that somebody can do alone and I feel like that's the other reason community starts to become important is because certain asks Like, you just can't do that by yourself. And I'm very much a solitary practitioner. And it wasn't until this past year that I met, well, I met them prior to this, but we've grown in relationship to that. Like, I feel comfortable practicing magic with other people. Um, But like, there are some asks that are too big to do on your own, especially when you're trying to like change the world. Um, And Espiritismo helps you like find people you can trust, which is kind of awesome. It's kind of not awesome when the tower comes through and like ends all of your other relationships, <laughs> but then you move through that and you're like, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And others start to come in who are more aligned with what you see, like, I don't know, like the potential you see in this world. Um, like other people who feel it too start to gravitate toward you and you build new community and you grow from there. But yeah, law of attraction is definitely an interesting, an interesting one. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's what we, cause we, we always try to like record episodes that are just the two of us in addition to all of the interviews. And I would love to have like a, just like the two of us about this. Cause I have so many thoughts Um, and one thing I do want to say for anyone who's listening, who like, when I was introduced to law of attraction, I had this reaction of like visceral disgust and then I bypassed it. And then I continued for a year of like forcing it to become a part of my life when like very somatically had no desire. Mm -hmm. And so for anyone that's listening that has had qualms about the law of attraction whether it was like a huge somatic like I started like smelling weird shit like it was just like 
I, <laughs> there were signs, as you say, there were signs everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but I also want to validate that like, we're in a world that is so consumerist. And I was actually writing, I was doing some writing for my blog about this. And so I'm going to definitely go back and like, hammer that home more because I always worry like what to say but we live in a world that is so consumerist that we can feel like the whole point of life is to find a way to have enough money right like we feel like we incarnated so that we can find a way to have enough money to meet all our needs and that balloons out into this like survival mode and the survival mode, because it's a trauma response, when we're in trauma response, our nervous system is rigid and we are not receptive to even signs that like we are actually safe and there is actually another way. Mm. You know? And so if you're living in that, know that it's okay and know that you will find your way out. And if this is like a sign for you that like there is an alternative please take this sign and like move forward accordingly. You don't have to continue re-traumatizing yourself for a year or for more than a year. If that's, you know, if your time is done with that, just let it go. <laughs> that's all I can say. I cannot stress that enough. So it's been a hard year. And like, you know, like it's been tragic almost like very bad, but light is at the end of the tunnel. I think what I struggle with, with like, letting go of law of attraction or like manifestation is like it feels like what I learned like accepting I don't know like magical thinking like mm -hmm. this visioning process that I think helps like bring about our relationship mm -hmm. which feels like very meaningful and very real mm -hmm. I'm like I think I tied that to like my business growing and like bringing money into our lives so that we could have a stable life where we're not worried about money and stressed all the time and feeling like just not safe and so i think for me i'm, I'm hearing this information and i'm having like a, a conflict and like aren't these things contradictory like aren't there positives to law of attraction and to like believing that if I deserve something, it, it can be mine because that's how I feel about you. <laughs> that's tender. <laughs> um, so like, I, I don't think manifestation as a whole is necessarily bad, right? What's bad, what's good. Um, like I've, personally like I petition my spirits and ask for things and part of petitioning is visualizing it and holding that visualization in my mind and holding that energy and trying to operate as though it already exists and I'm just meeting it wherever it is in the universe um I feel like that's not I feel like law of attraction didn't invent that and it's something that they co-opted because there are little it's it's kind of like okay what I was saying earlier about like the bible and other sacred texts and how it depends on who's interpreting the channel and whoever was interpreting that channel like skipped the whole part of p.s like 
racist capitalism might make this really hard for you. And it's not that you're not trying hard enough. It's that the system was built to like keep you confined and small and a part of, you know, a cog in the machine. And I feel like there's no chapter on that in, in the secret, at least like there's no chapter on like, Hey, your external circumstances might make this take a while. It might make it hard. You might have to do some other shit in the meantime to get by until we arrive at that place that we are pulling you closer to. Um, so I don't know. I don't think that it's something I feel like, I keep hearing, if I may, for you, Lali, that like your ancestors did this long before. And there's no need for you to stray away, for you to stray away with what works, with what works. Use this, use this, compass, compass. Oh, and then they looked at you, Samara. Use the compass, use the compass to dissect, to dissect, to understand, to understand and to Hmm. You know what they told me? Sometimes we discover connections to the old ways through modern interpretations and practices. And the entire practice might not be right for you. But if there's a gem in there, even if it's the size of a pebble um, that does connect you to your lineage or that does connect you with spirituality that is in alignment with your highest good, like, that's okay. Um, you know, duality is, is real the space between the binaries is fertile and it's okay. Like if you're in the gray and you can pluck a little thing that you're like, all right, like this, this does make sense to me. It, it doesn't surprise me that that part makes sense to you because it feels very natural for you. Um, and if that was the way you found it, then I heard so would it be. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. So many feelings. I think <laughs> the only other thing that makes sense, well, let me breathe because I feel like now there's so many things. <sighs> the only other thing that makes sense to say is that there is so much room for interpretation in all of this. And when you get into the point where you are uh, throwing the baby out with the bath water, then you become it's the same as going to the extreme where you're trying to like actively absorb the entirety mm -hmm. because you are now like trying to reject the entirety. And the key is to, I think that's the key, like how you've been talking about how Espiritismo, it's guidelines, it's not a set of rules. And mm -hmm. I have always said this, and I usually say this about like creating a business, but like anyone who tries to sell you like a five-step process for anything, is lying like they're they're lying and there is there's no absolute at all um and for me when I think about manifestation now versus how I was like forcing myself to see it before I think about someone trying to manipulate reality to force an outcome regardless mm -hmm. of anything else that might have to happen in order for that outcome to come true and almost like hinging their, um, it's like a, it's a, it's like a, um, a siphoning, like they are siphoning from the universe to feed this like parasitic-esque needs mm. to have 
things that were once in their head be in in their physical world like it's like an addiction to me and that is how I've been like really that's where that's what has me like suspended in this in this like between these two cliffs is this this like deep visceral sense and like coming back to the the, all the disgust and all the red flags that I saw throughout but Mm -hmm. I think honestly what I'm what the biggest the biggest thing for me is like remembering that manifest destiny is very evil the concept the concept Mm -hmm. and I heard that like all throughout this past year manifest destiny is Mm -hmm. evil manifest destiny is evil and has directly hurt a lot of my ancestors and is directly hurting me and it seems like my task at this point and maybe this is someone else's task too or maybe it's just mine is to make peace with the fact that like the concept of manifestation, the concept of manipulating a reality to fit your egoic desires mm. is the same as white supremacy. Like it, it can't be seen as different for me anymore. Um, but there are obviously some people who have not been led to relate to it that way. And, and I don't want to become now a person who imposes that if you're not seeing it this way, you're wrong. I, and, and that kind of, then I'm, I'm, then I'm all confused again. <laughs> but it feels really true for me. And I don't think that means it has to be seen as absolute truth. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, when, for at least me and my practice and my spirits like when I'm petitioning it's like I'm asking for the things I need um and I'm also saying like if it is in alignment with my highest good and with the highest good of creation Mm -hmm. um and so like it's really important for me to know that like sometimes your petitions aren't going to be met And it's not that you didn't pray hard enough. It's that like, sometimes it's just not for you and that's okay. And there are other things that are for you or maybe it's not for you at the moment. And there will be another time when it's more um, aligned or appropriate or when you're in a better place to receive it. Um, And to what you said, like about, you know, manifestation, manifest destiny being about, asking manipulating like energies so that you get what you want and in such a way that it siphons away from others like that's not it with at least my practice like my understanding of spirituality and spiritual magic is that it's like show me which pie is mine so that I can work toward that because I see that there's pies all around and (laughs) that's funny they're also showing like little slices coming out of certain pies and like people trading and like fitting it into their tin and so there's enough for everyone and right when we operate from that mindset with our magic with our petitions it's like okay I know there's enough for everyone so please lead me toward what's right for me rather than saying like, I want a million dollars, I want a beach house, and I don't care about anything else. Because like, maybe that's not, maybe you get there and you fucking hate it. (laughs) And you're miserable. And you would have been so much happier living in the middle of the forest in a cabin. Like, who knows? That's one example. Um, 
but at least my understanding of, I guess I just don't use the word manifestation. And I didn't realize that until now. Um, I call it petitioning because I'm asking. I'm, I'm not so much demanding. I'm saying like, if it's in your will <laughs> and it's in the highest good, may I please have some more? <laughs> um, so I don't know. I think there's infinite ways to look at calling in what you need and what you desire and what you are deserving of. Um, but if your heart is not yet open to admitting to the realities of white supremacy in our world, then like your manifestations are gonna come from that place, um, which isn't you obviously, like this is, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I don't know. I. I think that's what's so important about, not what's important, but what's good, great, wonderful about Espiritismo is that it's not about, there's only one way to see things and there's only one way to call in the spirits and there's only one way to ask for what you want or ask for what you need. It's more like, you got to figure out your way because your spirits will respond to your way the best. And when you're actually doing things in a way that's in aligned with you, like you, you aren't going to be intentionally hurting other people. It's not possible to not hurt others forever. It's just not, we all make mistakes. Um, but when you move in alignment with your highest good, um, you're not taking from anyone else's plate by receiving yours. And the abundance that you are, are receiving comes in such a way that you feel empowered and able to like share it and spread it and redistribute it because you know, like it's gonna keep coming. Like there's no fear of luck. Um, there's always enough. And like, you know, billionaires, like that's fear of lack. Um, which is ironic as you extract every drop from the earth. Um, but spirituality is the trust in abundance and that if I keep being a good human and keep doing my best to be of service to my community, to the planet in the ways that are right for me, like I'll get mine and it might not be easy because I don't think most things are easy. I think our spirits want us to learn. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's part of the human experience is, is learning shit. And sometimes we have to learn shit the hard way. Um, but I think where like it gets a little questionable for me at least is when manifestation like doesn't acknowledge anyone else. Um, when it's just about like, I need, I need more, I need more. Um, I'm afraid there's not enough, so I'm gonna keep asking. And I mean, like sometimes, you know, we all move from that place of lack and scarcity. Like I do it still. Um, I still like am afraid to swipe my card at the grocery store every time, <laughs> every time. 
Um, but the faith is bigger than the fear at this point. And it's only because I keep waking up and trying um, every day, really. And some days trying is easier than others. Doing, I keep waking up and doing is what they said, not trying, we're doing. Um, so yeah, I don't know, magic. Magic. <laughs> uh, this has been so beautiful, Caitlin. Thank you for having me. <laughs> uh, thank you for being here. Thank you to the multiple people who recommended you. <laughs> um, you're amazing. I wanted to give you a chance to talk about your mentorship that you have coming up for anyone who is equally enthralled by you and <laughs> get a chance to learn from you more. How can they get Sure. Um, my most immediate offering is this Sunday, November 14th at Flor de Luna Apothecary in Boyle Heights. I am offering in-person sessions alongside of Camille, the medicine goddess, Reina of Healing Queen, who actually organized the event. And I think a few more practitioners were added to the roster. Um, but this is the first time I've offered in-person sessions since January of 2020. So I'm excited. I have two appointments left for the day. That's it. Uh, if you are interested in receiving a reading from me in person in East LA, I definitely recommend jumping onto my website, www.spiritgardentarot.com and booking those in advance. The next thing that I am sharing is something that has been in the works for literally years. And I was really excited when my spirits kept saying like, you know, I, I was feeling a little bit insecure about my public practice and my offerings. I've been doing Into the Veil, which is my introduction to a Spiritismo class for a few years now and it's evolved and grown and it's beautiful but I was in this space of well what's what's next and I was struggling with ideas that felt authentic and my spirits kept saying like you already have it you already did this you already did it it's in it's an old idea and this the word course feels so icky these days now but that's what it is it's a multi-part group mentorship <laughs> knowledge share series and it's called the tarot labs there are three tarot labs one for beginner beginners although anybody with any relationship to the tarot can attend i personally um love from time to time when an intro class calls to me to attend i think that I think that being an intuitive reader is important and developing your relationship with the cards as windows to stories is important. But we don't move through everyone's story in our personal experience in, in this lifetime. There are things that other people experience that we won't. 
Um, We have common themes that run through many of our lives, but many of our experiences are unique. And that's, I think, the importance of going to intro to tarot classes, reading tarot books, reading the guidebooks. I think that when you're reading the cards, um, you don't need all of your resources. But in between, being the hermit, um, seeking the hierophant, taking in knowledge. And you know, when you're reading these books, when you're learning from teachers and you're hearing card meanings, Maybe not everything they say works for you. Take what does and tuck it away in your mind. And then later, when you're pulling cards, you'll be able to draw upon those little clips that you got from classes or workshops or a reading from a friend or um, a book. And perhaps they'll apply in that moment, in that reading. And you're like, ah, amazing. You build this library in your mind of chapters that can be applied to the book of each card. And Tarot Lab Level 1, which is the first in this three-part series, class begins in January and enrollment is open now. And it's actually a discounted rate if you enroll um, by the end of November. Um, Tarot Labs Level 1 is an introduction to psychic medium channeling, intuitive channeling through the tarot. And we go through all of all of the parts. <laughs> um, I share card meanings, yes, I go through each and every card in these classes, which are pre-recorded and drop um, two classes per month. There are 18 I mean, <clears throat> yeah, 18 modules. You get two per month. So this is a nine-month program because it takes time to develop a practice. And tarot is certainly an art form. It is a practice. Um, I didn't want to make it a year and a half program, although I was tempted. I thought, to start, let's do nine. So you get two classes a month. We also have um, one live group session a month where we can ask our questions. There are weekly voice chats on our Discord channel. I do have a Discord channel that's always open for conversation and folks will have access to the all of the content except for the Discord group that ends when the class ends um, for as long as they have access to their Notion account really. Um, But anyway, these are the types of things we learn. Not just the card meanings, yes. Um, Not just channeling techniques, but yes. But also, what are the things you're doing in between actually touching the cards that are in support of your tarot practice? Um, We create a notebook that becomes the guidebook to each of our unique languages with the tarot. This is something that I did intuitively when I was really taking my tarot education seriously before I became what I guess I am now. (laughs) Um, so this, this idea is something that I started working on years ago. And I actually, I think I tried launching in 2017 and it just didn't, it flopped. (laughs) 
<laughs> it flopped, but it wasn't the time. There were other things I was meant to do. And that's the beauty of being in relationship with spirit, isn't it? That the season of receiving messages is not always the season of acting upon those messages. Sometimes we have to store seeds in jars and put labels on them, come back to them on the shelf later. My books will open for one-on-one readings for 2022 um, soon, I think. I'm honestly hesitant to start booking out next year when I'm not even there yet. (laughs) Um, But if you do want to work with me in the meantime... My membership program called Moon Shadows is available. It's a monthly offering, and this is my alternative to Patreon. It's hosted primarily on Notion and via an email list. Um, But there is, you'll have access to my complete library of workshops, which include, you know, intro to candle magic, divination, meditations. I have a meditation library. There's a book of shadows that I update regularly with new things that are exciting and fun. Um, uh, There's also channeled messages, community readings, articles from my old blog that I share just with the community. And I have quarterly office hours, which are 15-minute mini check-ins with spirit those are available only to moon shadows members i also have the quarterly read which is once a quarter um forecast for the three months ahead a spiritual forecast for the three months ahead and uh there are a couple different tiers there's a mutual aid tier and that's open all the time so yeah that's what's that's what's going on with me now Thank you. <laughs> uh, I have so much love for you. I'm so grateful. Mm, likewise. <laughs> I feel like you are. I feel like we don't. We're not at the stage of having like family friends, but you are our first like <laughs> mutually loved person. <laughs> Thank you. That's an honor. <laughs> yeah, I definitely feel like you mean something really special to each of us as each of us individually and as a collective. So thank you for being a part of our lives. I feel like, I don't know if it was the first time we met one-on-one or before that, but I felt like right around the time that I became aware of you, um, spirit was like drawing a lot of people, not a lot of people, a few other people toward me and they were like these are people you're probably going to interact with for a long time (laughs) and I remember feeling that like sitting down with you Samara so it's mutual the feelings are mutual (laughs) oh my god okay I want to stop recording and then I want to talk to you about something very quickly okay um and then I will let you get back to your life Thank you for listening to this episode of Intuitive Wellness. If you enjoy this content, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Reviews really help us reach more people. And as a thank you for a review, we will gift you a free intuitive wellness meditation and journaling prompts to help you prioritize intuitive wellness in your life. 
Before you hit post on your review, take a screenshot and submit it to the form in our show notes. We'll get back to you with your goods. Until next time, remember that healing yourself is active.